Welcome to the Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. I'm your host, Michael Alon. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Commerce Next and presented by Wonderkind. Ben Kaufman, CEO of experiential toy retailer Camp, tells Veronica Sansav and I he's not in the business to sell. He's in the business to create wonderful family experiences that happen to result in a product sale. That being said, Kaufman and his team have created innovative marketing and merchandising programs that are getting attention in the crowded toy industry worldwide. With an entrepreneurial career and a relentless customer-focused orientation, he takes us through the genesis of camp, how he flexed the concept and the organization through the COVID era, and his latest thinking on both the purpose of retail and the people and strategy to build an organization as agile and nimble as many of his guests. We, uh, we think of our stores as theaters and our themes as shows, and the show changes every, every quarter. And so that drives repeat traffic, it keeps, it keeps the store fresh, and it also gives us um, a dimension to our business model, which I can talk about later. Um, and we do uh, lots of programming, not just at the theme level, but also at the event levels. Let's listen in now. So welcome to Conversations with Commerce Next, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I'm joined here with the producer and co-host of Conversations with Commerce Next, Michael LeBlanc. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Excellent. I was in, I've had the pleasure of being in your Hudson Yard store. I think it was like just literally weeks after it opened up. It was uh, January 2019. So I've had a, a, a taste of the camp experience, but I'm really looking forward to learning a lot more. Before the world ended. In the before time, as I like to call yes, it. Yes, yes, good. Well, Ben, you have a real entrepreneurial spirit, having been at the helm of some pretty amazing companies, including Camp. Talk to us about your career journey and how it prepared you to start and lead Camp. Yeah, um, so I started, uh, my first company was called Mophie. It was named after my two dogs, Molly and Sophie. Uh, and it was an Apple accessory company, um, most well-known for the Mopi juice pack, which was an iPhone case with a built-in battery behind it. You know, funny thing happens when you make a consumer product is people start coming up to you with their own product ideas. And I was inspired by, you know, what was going on in social media at the time. Facebook was first starting and so on. And I thought it'd be really cool to make a social media site, like a community-based site where people could share their product ideas. And we brought the best ones to life. And so I sold Mophie and started a company called Quirky which was an invention platform that did just that. And that company um, made hundreds of consumer products, sold it to, to sold into retailers around the world, but ultimately um, died a pretty quick death in, in the summer of 2015 for a number of reasons. Largely, we were making more products um, than we uh, were able to market and find distribution for. So it was, we were really great at making stuff and we weren't great at selling stuff. And so after that company died, I was very focused on trying to, you know, I spent the first call it 10 years of, of my career making things. And I was very focused on kind of switching gears into, okay, let me get, let me get really good at selling things. And uh, did a number of small kind of product companies that were, were less focused on the innovation of the actually individual item, but more focused on the innovation around the marketing of an item. And that led me to um, become the, the origin, uh, uh, initially the chief commerce officer at BuzzFeed and then ultimately the, the chief marketing officer at BuzzFeed. Um, where I help them diversify their revenue and um, become more than just a, an advertising-based um, business model. Uh, we were really focused on direct-to-consumer product innovation, partnerships with brands and retailers and so on, really kind of connecting you know, media to direct-to-consumer monetization. So um, that was like life pre-camp. Uh, and then camp came along and uh, we started camp in, in June of 2018. It's been, uh, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> 
And I actually, I remember Quirky because I still have the scissors I bought from Quirky that were like- Those scissors are great. They were amazing scissors. I still use those scissors. I still use those scissors like every day. Yeah, because you can open boxes or cut paper. They 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 serve both purposes. They're brilliant. It was, it was called the quirky <laughs> sheath. You could still find them around if you look around. And yeah, I use them to open an Amazon box almost every day. <laughs> that's, so, that's so great. Um, so you know, one of the interesting things about your your background is that you create or you align yourself with experimentation and experiential retail. We talked about some of those businesses in your background. How did they help you imagine the concept that became Camp? Yeah, I mean, so as as a marketer at BuzzFeed, I, I was you know often in a room with other marketers who spent a lot of money on experiential um, experiential marketing. Um, whether that be a pop-up or an event or so on. And these things really had very little to do with transactions, uh, very little to do with kind of a lower funnel conversion. And it was kind of really, um, really inefficient. Like I always, I was like confused why people were doing these big experiential stunts. Like it was cool for the brand, but it didn't really have anything to do with the product. And it felt to me that like the future of everything was doing um, experiential at a point of sale. And, uh, and that was part of the early inspiration for camp was um, at the time I had a, a, a one and a half year old and another kid on the way. Um, so as had just went out of business and it felt to me that the world of family uh, was an untapped market, um, an underserved market uh, in terms of national coverage. And, and in order for real estate um, centers to survive, they need to drive traffic of young families and no one takes space focused on, families. And that was the beginning. It seems like the idea for camp came from this need to have a place for families to gather as opposed to like the need to sell things. Is that right? Yeah. We're not a transactional brand at all. We're a retailer. We're not a transactional brand. We want to help families have fun together. And ultimately, um, more often than not, that results in a transaction. But the purpose of camp is to help families have fun together. Help me for our listeners unpack camp a little bit for those maybe who haven't experienced it, maybe I've heard of it, but don't really understand it. You, you describe yourself on the you just describe yourself basically as, as an experienced first retailer, I guess you could say uh, a family experience company. As I said, I've been to your store and, and Hudson Yards, but a for the folks uh, listening, just tell us about camp, how many like how many stores you have and a bit of the sense of the physicality of it and, and the concept. And then we'll kind of get into you know, the before time camp and then how you've morphed camp through uh, the COVID era. Sure. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we started the company with the intent of being a national retail chain. Um, we, uh, we currently have six stores open. We'll have nine open by the end of the year. And the general concept of camp is that um, we want to help families answer the question, what should we do today? And our, our physical concept is pretty simple. You walk into a store, it feels like a small town, cozy, old time general store. Um, and it sells toys and gifts and apparel. And it kind of looks like a small little cozy, cozy old time toy store. But the secret to camp is that there's a magic door. And behind the magic door, kids push it open mm-hmm. and, and there's an 8,000 square foot black box theater in the back. And this space, it transforms every quarter or so um, with a different theme. Um, that marries play, product, and programming. So the three things, play, it's kind of like an indoor playground, but it's product, so it's shoppable. Um, And then the programming is, that theme is kind of like traveling theater. So we we think of our stores as theaters and our themes as shows, and the show changes every, every quarter. And so that drives repeat traffic. It keeps, it keeps the store fresh. And it also gives us um, 
a dimension to our business model, which I can talk about later. And we do uh, lots of programming, not just at the theme level, but also at the event level. So in the mornings, we'll do things like yoga for the toddlers or music class. Mm. And then in the afternoon, it's after school programs uh, for, for, for school age kids. At nighttime, we do things like date night drop off where you can drop your kid off at six and pick them up at nine and you can go out to dinner. So we really are there to serve local families. Um, and again, answer that what to do day question by being kind of like what Starbucks did for professionals. We try and do for families, uh, give them a, a place to hang outside of homework and school. Interesting. So uh, this isn't a history podcast, but let's talk about how you adapted the concept for the COVID era, uh, which has put some big constraints on in the in the short or medium term. What did you do with the online part of the business? And, and Veronica was telling me about this really interesting um, application or process you built so that the kids could actually participate in at a transactional level. So tell us a bit about how you how you flexed over the past 18 months. Yes, yeah, so if you rewind the clock to March of 2020. Um, we had gone from one store to to five stores in the 60 days prior to the pandemic. Uh, so we had just opened four stores. We had exactly zero e-commerce business. Frankly, our website was basically just like a place where you could find the hours for our stores. And, um, we were really focused on our brick and mortar growth. Now, all of our team's background at that point was on, was internet. We were all internet people. We know nothing about <laughs> brick and mortar retail. So when March 15th came along, we all had a leadership meeting. We all kind of looked ourselves in the eye and we were like, oh, well, you know how to do this. Huh. Uh, we know how to do this. We, we don't <laughs> know how funny. to run retail stores, but we know how to do this. Um, and so we did a number of things. First thing we did was we realized that my, my son's birthday was March 15th. And we realized there were going to be a lot of kids celebrating their birthday in a pandemic. So uh, first thing we do is launch virtual birthday parties. We launched virtual birthday parties like 24, 48 hours from the pandemic. Uh, we held over 50,000 kids' birthdays last year. Uh, this started as a free thing where we would hold a big end-of-day birthday party at 5 p.m. every day for any kid to chime in and do things. Then we started getting sponsorships. Sponsorships a big part of our business model. And then we started doing private birthday parties for friend groups and, 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 um, and families. Um, we also then decided that the summer was going to be weird. Uh, in 2020. And we wanted to create programming to keep families having fun together online and answer that what should we do today question in the virtual world. Uh, so we partnered with Walmart and, and a company called Echo and built something called uh, Camp by Walmart, which was a 150 episode interactive program um, mm-hmm. that had celebrity involvement with like Neil Patrick Harris and LeBron James and Drew Barrymore and Jennifer Garner. And we produced over, yeah, like a couple hundred episodes of interactive content that was not just like fun things for families to do together, but things that, the, that could be shopped. Um, so that really like, it played well into our play product and programming kind of mantra. And uh, then then uh, as Christmas came along, uh, we did something called the Camp White Elephant Party. Um, you know, e-commerce was always something we struggled with at camp um, because we are not, as I said, a transactional brand and right. e-commerce has no soul. It has no heart. It is purely, this is the product, this is the price, and this is how quickly right. you're going to get it. And that, that's just not us. That's not us, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so um, we had this idea of, of turning a secret Santa party or a white elephant party into a virtual platform and basically um, making gift giving among friend groups or family and, and, and so on into a virtual game. So you were able to go on camp.com, buy a product, um, start a game room, invite your friends or family or colleagues in, and then you would unwrap each other's gifts, uh, yeah. steal gifts from one another, and then we ship the right gift to the right person. So we really eventized, you know, gifting. And this was 
this was like an aha for us. This was like, oh my God, it, e-commerce can be fun. Uh, e-commerce can be just as fun as what we do in our stores. And so then we started building out more experiential e-commerce products. And I think the, the thing you were hinting out is called the Camp Present Shop, which is the first place kids can shop online. So kids, you know, kids make up over 25% of the internet is under the age of 16, but they can't shop online because of regulations like COPA and other things. And so we built a, um, a little platform where kids can shop online. Parents put in a budget, kids drag and drop products into their drag and drop products into their cart till they're out of money. They get to design a card. Um, and then we wrap it all up as a gift and ship it out as like a, uh, a good. So we really put kids in the driver's seat there and, um, kind of, uh, enabled e-commerce for kids for the first time online. Did you ever have during your journey, whether it's in the before time, you know, the, the toy category, did you ever have any, any second thoughts about the industry that you were getting in the sector of the retail? I mean, the toy category is really struggling when you were opening your stores, just trying to find itself. I, I guess this, in other words, what it was its answer, as you mentioned, Toys R Us had just gone under FAO Schwartz, which was a lot about experience uh, had sure. had struggled. The category itself was down double digits. Did you ever think twice about how that blend of retail, because you know both the sponsorship and the retail are going to pay pay a few of the bills? Did you ever have second thoughts, or was it always we are so sure that there's an opportunity for family focused theater entertainment experience that that there is never a second thought? No, I, I don't. We didn't think very hard about it. To be honest, we we were just like people have kids. That's not going away. Um, yep. people, people need to get their kids <laughs> right. out of the house. I mean, yeah. that's still proving to be true, even though people need to stay home for safety reasons. Um, but like, we never, like, we don't consider ourselves a toy store. Uh, we sell a lot of toys. Uh, we'll continue to sell a lot of toys. We don't consider ourselves a toy store. And if anything, we, um, I think will help define the future of the industry in the sense that like, it's less about, um, the things and it's more about the feeling you have when you, when you buy the thing. Um, the example I give is I grew up in New York. My favorite thing to do was get my parents to bring me to FAO Schwartz, uh, the old FAO Schwartz, not the, the zombie sure, FAO sure. Schwartz. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I can tell you everything about that store. I can tell you different times I went, I cannot tell you what I bought. I don't hmm. remember. I don't remember what I walked out of there with. I remember some candy. I remember some, you know, whatever, like I wasn't about the thing like sure i'm sure at the moment as a kid i was like i want the you know the hot wheels but like that that isn't the memory that is ingrained in my brain and i i I, any parent i talk to who i'm like remember the place when you're a kid remember going to it be like yeah do you remember things that you bought like maybe like maybe like you remember a hit toy over christmas or a thing there but like you went to that store and you remember going to that store you love that store and the the store is more implanted in your brain than the thing. And that's, and that's why we're building the brand we're building. Ben, you, you mentioned, you know, when you, when after quirky, you joined Buzzfeed because you were interested in, in figuring out how to kind of sell products. I'd love for you to dive into the trade craft behind the mark, your marketing and merchandising strategy. You know, how do you generate excitement around the brand? I mean, camp is an exciting brand. And how do you successfully market the combination of experience, product, and e-commerce together? Because, you know, all of those businesses you described, present shop, the stores, they have a common theme, but they're still quite different. Yeah, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> you know, we're still, we're still early in our journey and our journey's been, been, uh, you know, a windy road with COVID and everything. But I'll tell you, like, we've, we've been really lucky to align ourselves with, with brands that customers already love. 
right? And and our the sponsorship part of our business, well, great for the economics of what we're doing, also has allowed us to act a lot bigger than we are. Um, you know, having camp by Walmart in the, in the middle of a global pandemic and having names like the ones I mentioned previously in in our videos, like that was because we aligned ourselves with Walmart and and, and other partners and. You know, but letting our letting kids take over the store and run the store in April of this year, uh, which was a great event for us, uh, was because we had a great partnership with Ally Bank, who wanted to teach financial literacy to kids, and we thought that was cool. And so, well, sponsorship is a part of our model, and it's and it's not just retail media in the traditional sense as you may think of it. It's also a way for us to get our brand out there in a way that's um, uh, that's unique, and 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 it forces us to to find unique messages that resonate with parents. But I will tell you, above all, um, being a usually free indoor climate controlled place for families to, you know, hang out together and, 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 and make some memories is like is a thing you don't have to do too much aggressive marketing around. We'll be right back with our interview with Ben Kaufman right after this message. Wonderkin is a leading performance marketing engine that delivers tailored experiences at scale. Digital businesses use Wonderkin to remember who users are better than ever before, allowing them to deliver high-performing one-to-one messages on websites, through emails and texts, and in ads at a scale that's not otherwise possible. Wonderkin drives $1.2 billion annually in directly attributable revenue for top e-commerce brands like Uniqlo, Sonos, and HelloFresh, often ranking as a top three revenue channel in their own analytics. Learn more at wonderkin.co. That's wonderkin.co. Yeah, the product is so good that it kind of markets itself in some ways. Yeah, as we say, mommy gangs run strong. You know, we we if we please them, if we if we please customers that come in, you know, every every mom that's happy is going to tell at least five other moms that's happy uh, that they were happy, and the and the thing builds and builds from there. It really just like a, a great article at a company like BuzzFeed where you know you read it and you like text message it to a group of friends, and they text message it to a group of their friends. It, it, it grows a life of its own. And, and we think our concept, um, you know, uh, ha- has that built into it. So I want to switch gears for a second and talk about career advice. We like to talk about that on conversations with Commerce Snacks. Um, I want you to share kind of how you see the progression of your career. You know, in many ways, you've created a lot of your own opportunities, which is not a path that everyone can or will take. What are the key characteristics that our listeners should think about when they consider new ventures? Yeah, I'm not like an advice person. I don't, I, I like famously don't give uh, career advice because I don't have any. Um, but I will tell you that every time I go into something, I go into it fully. Um, you know, when I started Mofi, I wanted to do Mofi for the rest of my life. When I started Corky, it was because I felt like it was just an evolution of Mofi. Uh, and when Corky ended, I had no choice but to be done with, with Corky. But I, kind of like continued on the journey and tried to figure out what was wrong. Quirkio is the sell side. Let me focus on that. I joined Buzzfeed. I had the intention of being there for a long time. This one was will this kind of willed itself into fruition and I intend to do it for as long as I can. Um, and so, you know, as some people think of me as like a frenetic, you know, serial entrepreneur person, but I'm not like, I'm very much like single focus, thing um but stuff happens and that that happens in an entrepreneurial career but it also happens in a corporate career and my my um uh my suggestion to anyone doing the thing is like let those things happen like 
let the path deviate and like become like willed into uh, forced into whatever the words you want uh, doing uh, doing things that you didn't necessarily think you were going to want to or need to do. Uh, Cause those are the moments that like, I think open up interesting opportunities. Absolutely. And we've heard that a lot from, from folks on conversations with commerce next where it's a combination. See, that's why of, I don't like, give advice, you know, <laughs> you no, heard it you already, know, you know, it's, you heard Oh it. no, no, Ben, but yours, it's a, it's a different twist on something similar. I think it's always <laughs> what I, the, the theme that the, the, the connection that I was going to try to make is that it's a combination of kind of identifying the gaps you have in your own experience and being open to new possibilities that generally kind of lead the path. Now, the specifics are always a little different, but I think part of the advice that I think that can be given is, is just be open to opportunities and look for gaps that could be filled by like taking on a new, a new role. Right on. I want to just flip the tables just for one second, because we talked about kind of your career um, progression. Now I'd love to hear kind of what you look for when, when you hire someone to join your team. Um, how important are education, experience in retail or retail-related industries? You know, what essentially makes a successful hire for you? None of the, none of the things you just mentioned. Um, <laughs> I am, uh, I, I think generally people, I value people that come out of retail. I do because there's a lot of like knowledge there, but also like there's a lot of pre-existing bias around what's possible and what's not possible. And we like, we like to hire people who think anything's possible uh, if, if, if there's a great team uh, focused on it. So um, that usually don't find those people in retail, to be honest, unfortunately. Um, so when we have hired people from retail, like our director of stores, for instance, who uh, ran, um, you know, a big part of Disney's uh, retail fleet and, 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 and apples and so on, like they come from very, show focused retailers um, that aren't necessarily focused on like closing list, opening list, you know, check the box sales goal, but they're more focused on like, what does someone feel when they're in the store? So we have hired retail people. We don't look for retail people. Um, We more than anything, look for people who um, believe that crazy shit is possible. um, And that, um, and, 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 and are motivated by that, motivated by like the hunt of, of, um, trying to trying to thread the needle and do and do weird stuff. If you're enjoying this interview, you may want to join us for Commerce Next IRL on September 28th, 29th at the New York Hilton Midtown. Some of the speakers you'll be seeing including Noam Paransky, Chief Digital Officer at Tapestry, Akta Chopra, Chief Digital Officer at Alf Beauty, Matt Gehring, GM of e-commerce at Everlane, Alex Waldman, co-founder and creative director at Universal Standard, Jennifer Patrick, Global Branding and Packaging Director at Patagonia, and many more. Commerce Next IRL will cover themes such as the resurgence of brick-and-mortar retail and its impact on e-commerce, and how to prepare for a cookie-less future. We can't wait to get the Commerce Next community together in person, and hope you'll join us. Learn more and register now at commercenext.com. You know, listening to your description of, of uh, the past 36 months, it, it reminds me of something we talk about here uh, in Canada. We talk about portaging. You know, you, you get in the canoe and you go down fast moving water, but then you hit a dry patch and you got to pick up the canoe and kind of port it over to the next fast moving body of water. Put yourself five years into the future in terms of whether it's leadership, not really trends, but really your role as a leader. Do you imagine it different in five years? Are there, are there things 
that have happened or do you see yourself now set in the way your leadership style is? Talk about that for a little bit. No, I mean, that's like in startup world, like my job is completely different every six months. Um, not because of, not because of pandemics, but just because of like the needs of the business are different, right? There's more executives that are hired. There's more processes that are in place. There's more, um, uh, you know, uh, there's just, there's just different, completely different business in every, every six months. And that's, that's outside of extraneous circumstances like pandemics. It's, it's really, it really has to do with who are the other people around the table. When you start a company, um, you know, it's you and a couple other people, uh, and then, you know, you're three years in, you have a little bit more infrastructure in place. Five years from now, camp, if, if things are uh, going, going well, camp will have, you know, dozens of more locations, probably more than that, hopefully more than that. Um, and uh, and a, a much more, um, it, you know, robust leadership team. And so my job becomes more focused on the future and, and, and less focused on the, the day-to-day blocking and tackling. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see every one day at a time. Right on. Well, I think, I think both your career and your, your orientation and your team, if anything can be such was kind of built for the agility needed for these times. So listen, congratulations on, on everything you've accomplished and, and your success. And I, and I'm sure it's going to be and continue to be a success. And, and thanks so much for joining us on the conversations with commerce next podcast and sharing your insights and professional journey. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you are speaking at Commerce Next IRL on September 28th, 29th in New York City, where you are today. Your session is optimizing the customer journey, e-commerce experience that delight customers. You've certainly got a a unique and and fascinating perspective on that. So I'm really looking forward to that. So so Ben, thanks again so much for for taking time to join us. No problem. Don't cancel that conference, okay? We got to start doing this in-person stuff. Oh, we're, we're all in. We're all in. All right. Good. Good. (laughs) All right. We'll see you there then. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care, Ben. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone.